Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm really excited to introduce my guest for today. I'm talking with uh, Justin uh, Cromer. Justin is the founding partner of WebTech Interactive, an SEO and online marketing agency. He's an experienced, results-focused uh, marketing professional with particular specialization in the healthcare space, has a deep background in both online business and technical sciences. He's worked in-house for Skull Candy, CHG Healthcare Services, and has consulted with over 300 businesses worldwide. Um, you can find out more about Justin and his team at webtech.co. We'll put links in the description as always. Um, but today we are talking all things digital marketing, which is a, 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 a common and a familiar topic here at Private Practice Workshop and in our, uh, our content. So I'm excited to uh, have a guest relevant to that space. Um, Justin, maybe uh, fill people in a little bit more as to kind of how you got here and, and what else they should know about you. And then we'll get into talking about marketing as it relates to therapists. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you, John. Uh, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, so my name is Justin Cromer. I've been doing healthcare marketing, I would say, for man, probably for at least 15 years, if not more, um, kind of depending on how you slice it. Um, my original background in healthcare was I worked for a company called CHG Healthcare Staffing, um, which was, uh, they were a staffing agency for healthcare, and we managed like 125 specialties, pretty much everything out there. So everything from therapists to nursing and physician and kind of everything um, in between. So through that background, I got a lot of experience with all different types of medical specialties and where to get, you know, links from just kind of how to speak to different audiences and things like that. Um, from there, I, I left and um, actually CHG was my first client as an as an agency. Um, they, they, when I went to leave there, they, um, you know, just they wanted to keep me keep me around. So they were my first uh, consultant uh, business uh, um, client. And then from there, I've really grown into a lot of different medical um, specialties, uh, you know, helping a lot of doctors get, get, get patients has been pro probably one of the biggest focuses. Um, spoken a lot of conferences about that exact topic. And hopefully today we'll be talking a lot about, you know, yeah. what people do along the patient's journey. And once they get to your website, how do you convert them into a patient in your, in your, um, yeah. office um but i've also got a lot of other background and a lot of other things like medical um you know medical data medical staffing um medical devices all kinds of things like that so excellent um well i i think just jumping right in there and talking about um yeah the, the healthcare side they call them patients we call them clients there's a whole reason to, to that but as therapists we we generally call them clients some call them patients but in thinking about that client journey and uh, you know a lot of what we teach here is about digital marketing and how to get found by new clients i would say for many practitioners um, the the biggest challenge to starting a new practice is getting clients or in our case getting clients consistently given that uh, depending on the type of therapy work you do, there is um, uh, some natural attrition of clients. They could stay anywhere between six to eight sessions or six to eight years and anywhere in between. But um, getting clients and then getting them consistently are kind of uh, two different things. Um, competing as a therapist online uh, is becoming harder and harder, especially with the entry of um, big venture capital driven companies like BetterHelp and Talkspace and, and whatnot. So they're they're driving up the cost of 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 paid advertising tremendously like never before. Um in, in the experience of my practice right now, that means we're focusing more than ever on our organic search and getting better results that way. But um 
Um, yeah, take us through kind of where you start with with folks, whether you're maybe you're starting a practice brand new or maybe you're in a practice, uh, you have an existing practice, but you're not getting clients consistently. Um, the, the last thing I'll say before I hand it over to you here is um, we've got a, a good handful of people here watching live, which is great. So if you have questions for, for Justin along the way or about anything digital marketing related, please go ahead and throw those into the chat and we'll pull them up one by one on the screen here. So um, yeah, Justin, I'll, I'll let you take it over here. Sure. Well, thank you. Uh, so, you know, when it comes to medical marketing, it's I think it's important to kind of understand the client's journey. Um, definitely, um, you know, a lot of times what people actually start in the there's a lot of Google data behind this. Um, we're Google partner agency and we've kind of worked with some of their data um, and as well as just a lot of experience with what we've seen um, in the industry. But I would just tell you kind of the overview and we actually have, we'll put a few links in here um, to some presentations that you guys can get some visual, but also people are just also just listening. So I'll try to make it so that it's as clear as possible. Um, but I'll just give you the overview. Um, when people start this kind of patient's journey, generally what they're doing is they're starting with a condition research. So they may not be starting out by, by looking for EMD therapy or, or sorry, EMDR therapy or something very specific like that. They're maybe looking for, um, you know, de depression or, um, you know, anxiety, PTSD, something like that, where they, they, they know it's some sort of a condition or like, I'm just, they, they may be even more general. Like I'm not like, um, how to, how to feel better or something like that. You know, yeah. it's very much talking about what is the condition research and it's probably more general. I think that the, in this space, it's, um, generally people know what depression is. Whereas if you're dealing with, you know, um, dermatology, they may not know what it's eczema. They may just know it's, it's itchy skin. But, um, in, in this case, you know, they're going to be starting with a condition research. And I mean, there the, are numbers uh, around these in the medical space in general, and it's usually about 25% of medical searches start with a condition research. Um, and so then what we do is we basically look at like, what is the, you know, kind of in the, the SEO side of the world, you need to understand like, Okay, so what is your goal? Your goal is to attract new patients. Um, you really need to kind of understand what is the audience. So what are the, the different people and personas within that audience that, that maybe you might be trying to attract? And once you understand that audience, uh, there's different personas, you know, maybe it's uh, certain types of, um, you know, types of, I mean, you basically just kind of want to name who is your ideal client. You need to identify who those are. And then you, you, you kind of go back and you look into what is the key the keywords that, that they're going to be searching for. So you kind of go from, from the condition to treatments before I get too deep in any one of these things, uh, then you go, they, they will then be looking more specifically for the treatment facilities. Yeah. And then when they're looking at the facilities, they, they will come to making a facility decision. And these are all different kind of, um, areas of content that you need to have available out there. Um, finally, they're going to book an appointment. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Let's, there's a lot to unpack here and, uh, what I would say is that the therapists in our audience, some have um, zero experience with SEO and are, you know, just created a Squarespace site yesterday on their own. Uh, some are running, you know, multi-million dollar group practices with big marketing budgets and everywhere in between. But um, this piece about uh, about keywords is, is interesting because um, there's a lot to be said about intent. For instance, someone that types in therapist near me versus um, uh, a treatment such as what we do, EMDR, 
there's no way they would know about EMDR unless they've already done some research about it. It's a pretty niche treatment. It's generally used for uh, primarily for trauma. So they probably have some trauma in their background. They've learned about EMDR, right? They're using the acronym and they're looking for, you know, EMDR therapist, San Francisco. What we find is that leads that come from a keyword phrase like that are, um, are so much stronger than someone that was just typing in therapist, San Francisco, right? So, um, what would you say about that piece in terms of intent or for therapists that are starting to do some keyword research? Um, do you, do you just go for higher intent keywords like that? Or, or how do you think about that in terms of the strategy? Uh, that's a really good point. Um, that's one of the four factors we look at with keyword research is what we call consumer intent. There's other things mm -hmm. that are metric driven. You want to look at estimated search volume. You want to look at competitiveness of the phrase and where you're currently ranking, but consumer intent is, is, is critical. Um, I would say that when you think about it like this, it's kind of like what we call top of funnel, right. kind of like lower in the funnel, top of funnel is where they're just typing in therapy. They don't know what kind of therapy they want. Right. But that's an opportunity for you to educate them on EMDR. That's your, you're the one who can actually introduce them to that. So there is, um, yeah. you know, importance on that. But I would say that the, the more important one is really targeting exactly the, your ideal client. Right? That's why I was talking earlier about the personas and who is your ideal client. So yeah. you want to make sure that for your own specialization that you are dominant. But I definitely don't need to shy away from the more general phrases. They're just two kind of different um, content approaches. Let's walk through this scenario. Um, and I'm being a little selfish here and asking questions for my own <laughs> practice. But let's say we write a really great blog post talking about what is EMDR. Or uh, we had someone reach out recently and they said, can EMDR help with Lyme disease, right? Um, let's say we write a really good blog post for that. And then all of a sudden that blog post is at the top of page one on Google ranking nationally. How rel how helpful is that going to be in terms of landing us more clients for our local business, meaning people that are come to our office in San Francisco, or at least people that are you know in California, and we can treat uh, uh, via virtual sessions. Yeah, well, that's the beauty of like telemedicine, or, or maybe that's not what they call in the therapy space specifically. But yeah, that's I mean, that's, that is one of the the beautiful things about it. Is if somebody's looking for a nap for a very specific type of treatment that you offer, and you are like a subject matter expert, you're able to win that patient these days, thankfully. Um, but you're actually bringing up a really good point in terms of. Um, in terms of local people looking for you, we haven't really gotten into the Google My Business part of this just yet, but that's yeah. a big part that we need to make sure we touch on because okay. um, the blog post that, that we're talking about right now where, where we introduce them to EMDR, generally those are not very good conversion pages, right? right? Like those are those are informative pages. Extremely low, yeah. Have like the first thing that I would do is make sure that you have a really, um, the ability for people to, to uh, contact you. I mean, you're ultimately probably wanting them to just book an appointment, but a, a kind of a, another um, conversion goal would be them just contacting you. And I would make it so they can contact you multiple ways. So like um, a suggestion would be to put in the header, um, uh, your phone number that's clickable, uh, an email uh, ability to email you really easily by clicking it, as well as clicking on a, a call to action that will take them to a form that they could submit for you, as well as even just going ahead and just booking an appointment automatic, automated through that through that page. All of those really easily easily done would be important. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd also oh, sorry, yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. And and we're going from top of funnel to very bottom of funnel, right? Getting someone on the phone, getting a lead, you know, into into communication with us. But um, there's certainly 
therapists that are wondering what's the best call to action? Is it to uh, email me? Is it to book a free consult on Calendly? Or some of us have an EHR that integrates directly into your site. So the person could book the free consult there or book the first appointment. Um, is there, are, are there certain calls to action that you see converting better for, for kind of healthcare industry? Um, is it good to just have kind of those three you mentioned so that the person can kind of self-select? Yeah, um, I, I yeah. would give them the options because people are going to have different device types. People are going to have different, mm. just, I don't know, personality types. Some people are way more like, I just want to call and talk to somebody and get right. answered and then I'll book it. Um, some people are like, I just want to show up on my appointment day. So I would, I would, um, when you look at your, your conversions, you want to think about the different personas. And it's not just the, the personas of like, oh, this is a, you know, an, an older woman or whatever, you know, in a certain income bracket. It's not just demographic yeah. necessarily. It's what type of person. Um, some people are like skimmers where they just want to read the, the headlines. And there's other people who are really detail oriented that want to get in. So you have to actually write content in a way that addresses both of those. Yeah. Actual conversion goals, the way that we work with, with any like medical you know, therapist mm -hmm. or anybody trying to, whose goal is to get more patients. It's really, it's almost like lead generation and, and transactional, transactional meaning that it's, and then booking the appointment themselves and it just appears in your, in your calendar for you. That's the, the kind of the, I think the best case scenario in a lot of situations, Yeah, uh, people are going to want to just call you. Some people are going to want to like, you know, email you directly. And some people will use a form. I, I find that a lot of people these days don't really trust forms as much because number one, there might yeah. be some kind of spamminess and they don't know that the other person's receiving it as, as well. hundred percent. I, I think there's a lot of downsides to that, even though it is an option that we have. Um, in, in my mind, you know, if I'm running an errand, I want to finish that errand as fast as I can and know that I've finished it or I've completed something, right? So for me, some of the danger of filling out a contact form is I fill it out, I put my name, my my email, my phone number, whatever, and then I send it and now what? Yep. Sometimes there's lack of clarity as to what happens next. In our case, you know, we at least indicate someone from our team will call you within one business day or whatever it is. So there needs to be something that happens next. Otherwise, a lot of consumers are out there and they're going to fill out five more contact forms and just hope that someone and, sticks and i would right? say that, that it's always a good general rule that whenever you get a contact from anybody no matter what format it is that you respond almost immediately honestly right so you can i mean within an hour for sure i mean 24 right. is good i guess in certain industries too but the sooner you get them back because you're right they're going to be that's part of this journey is that they're going to be contacting a few and a lot of it just has to do with how quickly that that appointment is set so yeah. i would say that form submissions if you had to get rid of one of them, I would probably get rid of that. But I would tell you, there's a, a nice um, a style that I recommend, and we I have it on what we we call the web tech header at this point because we recommend it for all of our clients. Is a certain header that's like sticky, so that means that when you scroll down, everywhere you go, that that header stays on the top. So no matter what page they're on, no matter where they scroll on the page, they're going to be able to to click to call, click to email, and click to go to the form. That's great. I just want to highlight that for a second and. For those who are who are here live on YouTube, um, you can go to webtech.co. That's W-E-B-T-E-K.co and see what Justin's talking about. It's a really nice header. Um, and, and in fact, it stands out because you have this nice gold color for the, the call us or the get in touch by email. Or you can go to request a quote and to fill out the contact form. And like Justin said, that part, that feature travels with you wherever you are on the site. There's no doubt that people make a decision 
to reach out at any point in the site. They could be halfway down a page. They could be three fourths of the way into a, you know, a 3000 word blog post or whatever it is. And we want to make it very easy for them to get started right whenever they, that decision process happens for them. Um, we don't want them to have to go digging and digging and digging and then give up. Right. There's a kind of some, some, uh, a critical period there. And I, and I would also make it so that your book appointment is a, is a high priority in terms of your actual, like what, what I just mentioned as, um, you know, transactional where they, where they automatically, um, engage with your website. I think that's a really good way to do it. Calendly is another good option. I mean, I know there's another yeah. um, program out there called Booksy where they can book an appointment and, and you can kind of put on your calendar and there's also some um, accounting software built into it, which is nice. That's great. We've already covered a lot in a short time, Justin. I, I'm wondering if you're okay with uh, us pulling up a couple questions here from the audience. Sure, yeah, of course. Happy. Cool. Um, all right, we'll pull up. See, these are some that have been submitted uh, ahead of time. So here's a great question from a therapist named Robert. He says, how does a therapist make their website stand out from the crowd? Second question, how do you know which words boost search engine optimization? So maybe starting with that first question, if you don't mind, Justin, uh, how does a therapist make their website stand out from the crowd? Yeah, I mean, I would say a lot of it in terms of the website, like standing out, I would say it's really just speak to to who you are and what you specialize in is where I would really start. Like every therapist, <clears throat> whether, you know, you're going to have your certain specializations and, and different kind of like, you know, um, I don't know, like, uh, what do you call it? Um, modalities or whatever that yeah. you specialize in. Mm -hmm. But um, <clears throat> a lot of what they're also looking for is the professionalness professionalism of your office space so showing like what the office looks and feels like inside mm -hmm. there because that's kind of once they're making this facility decision which i'll get to as we kind of go down that patient's journey a little a little deeper sure uh, that is part of the, the decision of, of what they what they decide um it's also things like reviews like what people are saying so you might want to integrate in like um you know, there's just several different review softwares out there, but things like you can actually incorporate your Google reviews or even just testimonials that you're putting together. Um, I think also using video is a good way for people to get to know you a little bit. I mean, you can put on a few, you know, just kind of like they don't have to be super duper professional. They could yeah. just be a way where people can can get a feel for you talking as a therapist. I mean, just talking about one of your modalities on, on one of those pages, I think, would be a good idea. Um Let's see, mobile friendliness and, and make sure that it's up to date and professional. I think it's still, there's still a lot of um, practices out there that have sites that are five years old or more. Um, so just keeping them updated. I would say in terms of design, um, it's, it, you want to be pretty clinical, honestly. I would say minimalist design. You want to go with like a lot of like white space, a lot of pretty pictures, a lot of like calming feel to it i would really re recommend you don't use like dark backgrounds and things like that in the special yeah. therapy space you want to be conveying to them the feeling that that they want um to gain from your service yeah that's great <laughs> um i would say uh, anything else in terms of what makes it stand out um Make sure it loads really fast. There's some other like mm -hmm. technical performance things that I think would, would be important to make sure that you you are taken care of. Um, and just being able to convert and get done what you need to do. I think some websites really kind of miss on that too. You kind of, you want to be really clear about, okay, what do I want them to do while they're on the website? So make sure that your, your flow of your website, what your content you're giving them, what navigation you're giving them and where you're kind of ultimately trying to lead them in the website, make sure that's nice and clear. 
Um, and you want to have like, that's the kind of thing that you start from the very beginning of thinking, like I said, from the beginning, what's my goal? Who am I talking to? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of times we forget that the the primary purpose of the website is to get people off of the website and onto <laughs> you know a call or a free consult or whatever it is. Yeah. And um, when it, once it's done that, it's kind of done its job. And many therapists are quite good once they get a potential client on the phone. Even therapists that are brand new to private practice, they're generally very good at the therapy part, informing a relationship and, and explaining how this works or how I can help. And um, so that's that's great when that whole process lines up. Um, there's also a lot to be said about having a brand that aligns with the type of client you want um, and, and not all you know, leads are created equal in that way. And so in, in an ideal world, you have, uh, you know, a brand and a message, really good copy that speaks to who you help and how you help them. If you are more niche that you, you know, are really um, uh, branding around that niche. And then when, when consumers find your site, it's this light bulb moment of this is exactly who I am. I see myself in this, in this website, in these photos, in this copy. This person totally gets me. They have a high degree of uh, of authority or expertise. Um, I'm 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 in the right place, right? And there, and then I'm going to call. And in that case, the person is very likely to be pretty pre-sold when you have that level of specificity. Um, it just so happens that Google likes specificity as well, especially if you're sitting in a very urban market like we are. Something as niche as EMDR both has very high intent, and also when our entire site is about EMDR, um, Google kind of appreciates and ultimately rewards that level of specificity. So um, there's a lot that needs to happen. And again, especially when you're in these bigger markets, um, you, you might have to work a, a bit harder or um, be more intentional with your niche than, you know, small town in Ohio. Yeah. Well, for sure, it's going to be more competitive. Um, and I think that you want to just make sure that when you're dealing with that, that niche that you try to hit as many variations of the types of keywords that are going to be um, relevant to your ideal client. Yeah, there, there's a lot of assuming people do with keywords that um, as therapists, we know how to describe what we do. For instance, a lot of therapists, they will put on their website individual therapy um, as, as a keyword phrase or relationship therapy not knowing what consumers actually type, right? Or whether anyone types individual therapy, it might be a, the name of a class we took in graduate school, but assuming that consumers type it is a, is potentially a dangerous assumption, right? So, um, that's, so yeah. that's a really good point. Um, I would tell, the, the, I think there was a kind of follow-up question. Um, yeah. Keyword research and, and how do you know what keywords uh, boost search engine optimizations is how it was asked. But I think what they're asking really is how do you know what are the, the right phrases to optimize mm -hmm. for, right? Um, I'll give you a couple tools. I will tell you sure. also this is a pretty technical question. And as Huge. A yeah. you may want to actually bring on somebody who's who has expertise in this. But I'll tell you that Google has a pretty good tool called Keyword Planner. So you can just Google Google Keyword Planner, and that'll be a really good place to start. Um, you can actually start with, actually, if your website already has pretty decent content relevant to what your niche is, you could actually put your domain in there, like your URL, and it'll basically come back suggesting to you the types of phrases that you're currently relevant to and other phrases that are also relevant to that. So um, that's, that is one of the tools that we use um, at WebTech, but there's, you know, anybody who's good at SEO, if I was as a therapist, I would go to an agency and just do a free consult as a good place to start. Cause that's a, that's something that most SEO agencies will kind of offer in the early stages of, of yeah. 
working with a potential client is do the keyword research and kind of show them, hey, look, here's your opportunities. Here's where you're currently ranking. Here's where the estimated search volumes are on each of these phrases. Here's how competitive it is. So how many index pages are in Google for that phrase? And also the idea, like we mentioned earlier about the, the consumer intent, like how likely are they to yeah. be looking for what you offer? But I would think the one thing yeah. that's, that I think is most useful there are those four factors are all coming into play, but I think the probably the one single most useful thing, I mean, assuming you know your consumer intent is the estimated search volume. Um, Google will tell you like, you know, you just mentioned um, relationship therapy. My guess is it's probably something more like couples counseling or marriage yeah. counseling or marriage mm-hmm. therapy, something like that, you know, um, but that Google's tool will actually give you a lot of good insight. Another thing that I would suggest to you too, that if you've already got some search relevancy, um, you should, if you, if you don't already have Google analytics in place on your website, you should definitely set that up as well as Google's what's called search console. These are two of Google's platforms that you can kind of use to directly communicate with Google, or at least get reports directly from Google on the search console. There's something called impression data, uh, which means that when you show up in the first page of Google, that doesn't mean you got traffic from that phrase, but it will show you what phrases that you appear for. And when you get an impression, sometimes you're surprised like, oh, that, that that's a variation of the phrase that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. Um, and that happens all the time. Even with us, we have all the tools for keyword research and we have a really good handle on it. Even so, we will find phrases like that. Another suggestion I might throw out there <clears throat> is to run some pay-per-click campaigns as well. Yeah. So if you don't know about pay-per-click yet, it's basically just, uh, I look at it like renting traffic as opposed to, um, you know, building a home, <clears throat> excuse me. When you're doing, when you're building, when you're doing SEO, you're essentially building equity in your domain. So you're building up power and, and really creating value in your domain yeah. in Google's eyes in terms of trust and how they're going to rank you. When you do pay-per-click, you don't have to spend the time to, to, to build that trust with Google. I mean, there's a lot of factors. I don't want to oversimplify it because you do have to, I don't want to get into technical details probably for, for this right. purposes right. today, but there are things you have to consider to make sure you are relevant with paid search, but paid search will allow you to pretty much get traffic immediately. But once you put money yeah. in the machine, you start getting traffic and you, therefore you start getting data around what phrases are actually converting for you. Yeah. And paid search does give you, I mean, Google has for years now has been really misty about the, the data that they will reveal on the organic side of things. But on the paid side of things, they give you a lot more insight as, as to yeah. what keywords are converting, what campaigns, what ad groups, all those things will be reported to you. So I would mm-hmm. actually mix your strategies a little bit if you have the budget, but uh, organic is always going to be your better like return on investment long term. Yeah, and I mentioned this piece about um, cost per click going through the roof in the past couple of years, both because of COVID accelerating interest or, or you know mental health need, and also these companies that have massive budgets uh, that has nothing to do with their ability to actually earn that money back or have ROI in generating clients. That means for us or a small group practice like us, we, we still have to... Um, uh, you know, have some ROI on what we're spending. So again, in my case in San Francisco, we're focusing more on uh, um, winning organically than with with paid ads. That being said, you know, if you are charging enough, and if I had to start a practice or try to fill a practice in the next 30 days, um, I would probably start by having a really strong site or a, a separate landing page that I can run Google ads to try to control that cost, try to be very specific, uh, niche around something like EMDR or something that's high intent, 
track that cost carefully and see, you know, if I can get the number of clients I need from, from that. Um, even the if the ROI, ROI is kind of delayed, like I mentioned, some clients, the risk is they could come for one session or not at all. They could also stay for a few years and the ROI could be $150. It could be uh, uh, $4,000, right? So that you're talking about lifetime value. Um, yeah. We, we talk about that all the time in terms of return on ad spend is, is yeah. we look at it with pay-per-click is what is what what kind of return are you getting on your ad spend? Generally, we want to have at least be two times, if not like four times ROAS, yeah. um, where you're, every dollar you're putting in, you're getting two to four dollars back and you can track that through. That is one of the beautiful things about digital marketing and organic does provide a ton of this as well. And um, right. really any channel organically, you can track so much data on everything that it's really good to be able to compare different channels yeah. to be able to see where you're getting a positive ROI. Um, yeah, yeah I think I think we, we should talk for sure, just because you've mentioned organic play a couple of times. And I, when we're dealing with the situation with with you um, having large competitors who are coming in with really just trying to gain market share and and just, you know, they're they're like you said, they're not as, as profit driven as much as trying to grow something of value to probably sell it one day or whatever they do. You know, um, it's what I would say is that. Um, and I also see somebody here asking about 150 to 300 dollars a month, so really low, low budget. I don't know yeah. how to get maybe a little more specific on that. Yeah. But if you're looking for self-help options, um, generally an agency, you're not going to do too much with an agency for that kind of spend. Um, but you can also you can self-serve. I would say probably the most efficiently on your Google My Business profile. So there's a whole algorithm to Google My Business, and just to make sure everybody knows what that is, it's like when yeah. you search any local business and you get that little you know, standard um, template kind of version of, of a business that has like pictures and hours of operation and reviews and all those kind of things. Um, we, we actually have a handy guide <clears throat> that we give out to all our clients, but there are certain things you should do. And that's, first of all, just make sure you've got everything completely like set up on that page as completely as possible. I mean, you want to put in as much um, data and information as you can on there. And that includes a lot of pictures. Um, there's a, a place where you can do posts. So every time you do a blog post, I mean, that's always something we recommend is you you actually cross post it to your Google My Business profile page. Um, also asking for reviews is a really important part of the algorithm. So the more reviews and the better reviews you have, the better you're gonna appear in search results and also probably, I mean, just as important, if not important, is is actually the click-through. So when yeah. you have a lot of reviews, even if you get more visibility, like for whatever reason, Google ranks you number one, but you've got somebody below you who's got 300 five-star reviews, or people are going to just naturally click listing number two, where right. normally if we weren't dealing with reviews, people tend to click number one, like majority, like number one in Google is going to get like 24 to 30% of clicks. Whereas in Google Maps, um, the, the, the kind of local box, it's going to have a lot to do with with um, how many reviews you got. So there's things you can do on the review side of things. Um, there actually is really great software out there these days that makes the kind of automated process. And we can maybe talk a little bit about that if you're interested. Sure. But sure. another thing is just simply just putting a QR code on you know, pamphlets or, or, or business cards or whatever, when you know somebody had a good experience to make sure to hand them a business card with a UPC, or sorry, UPC, a QR code. And um, that's one, one of the many ways, but I would say um, we could get more into detail about it now, but yeah. I'm also probably just more Googling, like how can I uh, optimize my own Google My Business listing? We'll find a lot of good information for you. And we have some articles I can share with too. Definitely. Um, 
I have one clarification here real quick. Um, Julia is asking, uh, and I can answer this. Um, she's asking, how do you ask for reviews being a clinician? And what she means is um, because of our, <clears throat> our ethical boards, um, we are not allowed to solicit reviews from clients. Think about it, right? If you're, you're seeing me as your therapist and it's like, hey, this is going pretty well. Do you mind leaving me a review? They feel some pressure. There's a power dynamic here and I'm also asking them to break their own confidentiality. This is just a real trick, tricky thing we have in our industry that <clears throat> is different from other service-based businesses. Um, my best uh, approach with that is we still promote um, that we have these listings as much as we can. So like in our email signatures saying, you know, here's, here's our Google, my business, uh, listing, here's our Yelp listing, things like that. Um, also, uh, you know, asking for if there's colleagues in your area that are, that are, are local, um, uh, to leave your review. That's, that's one small workaround we found, but it, it is really tricky for us because we need those reviews and, uh, a real gold in marketing is, is social proof, right? People want to see that this is trustworthy, reputable business, but how do we do that since we can't ask clients for reviews and, and to be honest they seldom leave reviews on their own which is is yeah. understandable so i don't know if you have yeah. any other thoughts about that no i would say um i know this is a little more delicate topic in this specific yeah. space. um a lot of times the software that, that we recommend for clients it, that asks not for reviews but for feedback mm -hmm. the way that it's worded which actually sends so what they typically do is they send to like a landing page and they can fill out one through five and the way that it works actually to, to kind of help bring in more positive reviews is if people select one through three, then it basically creates a direct communication with you and that person. Whereas if they filled out a four or five, then it would um, take them through to Google. But the way that it's worded is, is a little more passive where you're not saying, well, you leave me a review. It's like, if you would like to leave feedback, you can go here. And then it's kind of like an intermittent step that yeah. that might be able to, to provide a little bit of safety for you guys. Yeah. But also just even just leaving, um, like I said, a QR code, like a business card right at the front desk where if they had a great experience, they may feel compelled to grab one and go without you right. asking for them. Um, but it is a tricky subject and, and you've got to be pretty careful. Um, yeah. So No, that's helpful. Another one here on Google My Business, and this is a great topic because between you and me, Justin, meaning between you and me and everyone watching, Google My Business is kind of the low-hanging fruit and a real kind of untapped potential for a lot of practices. Um, I will tell you a little experiment I did about a year ago. We, I created a niche site um, uh, on EMDR in San Francisco <clears throat> and wanted to see how fast I could get it on page one. I also wanted to see how fast I could get the Google My Business listing to the, uh, you guys, you call it the three pack, right? The top three um, in the Google My Business um, search results. I was able to do it in a day um, in part because I think the specificity of the site and the name having a really good description in the actual Google My Business listing Another thing I use that I'm curious your thoughts on is I use a service called Bright Local and their citation builder. So what it did is I paid, I don't know, $75 and put in all my business information for this niche site, the office, the, the, the office address, the phone number, all that stuff, um, what the business is. And then they go out and they basically create, I don't know, it was either 25 or like uh, 75 citations on listings that I've never heard of, Right my my guess or this is where i should let you take over is like what what do you think that did or what how does that help a, a listing 
Yeah, so that's essentially what we call off-page SEO. It's you're totally mm -hmm. tapped into something that's really vital for local businesses, really all businesses, because Google sees all businesses as if they're legit, they'll have a, a GMB, a local listing of, of where their mm -hmm. headquarters is at least. But I would tell you this, that uh, off-page SEO, so on-page SEO is all the things you do to your website. That means all your technical stuff, like your on-page, uh, like your title tags, your meta descriptions, the copy, the yeah. user experience, those kind of things on page off page means um generating links to your website um to kind of create votes or like credibility in google's eyes from other websites um citations are are an important part of it where they're not actually as much of of a direct link um but they are mentioning your what you what's called nap your name address phone number and google's looking for consistency out there so the more that you have your your name address and phone number listed across business directories consistently that will and then actually that that does point links back to your website and back to your gmb page and there's connections that you have you want to make sure between your website and your gmb listing but that is for sure going to be a, a big piece of why you saw results, especially if none of your competitors are doing that already. That's kind of like a really easy secret um, to get citations. Um, so, yeah, for sure. That's a good strategy. Cool. Um, a quick question we have here about my my niche site that I mentioned. Uh, uh, they're asking, is it do you mean a subdomain to, uh, to your regular domain? Um, no, this is a separate domain and really just an experiment to see if I make a site entirely about EMDR in San Francisco, how fast can I get it ranking? Um, the, the downside is, right, starting a site completely brand new. You have zero domain authority. Google has no idea who you are or what you are if you belong here. And therefore, you're generally not going to be deemed as trustworthy right off the bat, right? Um, you have zero backlinks, zero content, et cetera. Um, again, I was just by through this experiment able to get that that Google My Business listing into the three pack in a day. Um, but it was also just kind of crazy. It kind of been experience. I'm just curious how long ago that was. Like what? what? That was um, maybe six or seven months ago. Yeah, and then we just got one page up to the top. But I, I know there's there's also shifts and changes happening on the Google, Google side as well with yeah, policies. Evolving. And, so things yeah. that were, you know, even a year ago sometimes don't work as well these days. Um, yeah. But I would say that, yeah, just, just wanted to see that question again. Um, yeah, a it's a great question. There was one question about the subdomain versus the niche site. Yeah, we can address that really fast. So the sure. way that Google looks at subdomains is actually separate, as a separate domain. So to clarify, if you are going to add on a niche section on your website, make sure that you do it as a folder within your, your root directory. So that means that you would be like mysite.com slash specialty page, not specialty page yeah. dot mysite.com. It's very clear distinction that you have to make um, that you put it in a folder. And I would say that, that there is kind of, there's a give and take, like I think, like like John, you mentioned, like there is you you you're building equity in a brand new niche domain. It's yeah. very specific. You can get some you know domain keywords in there and things like that, which does help. But it's more your GMB that you got the quick results from. Correct. If you have a if you have a let's say a multi practitioner practice, or if you have multiple specialties that you, you don't want to have a niche site for every one of them, because yes, you're going to have to basically, you're going to have to build links to each of those different domains. And you're kind of diluting your overall link power by doing it that way. Um, again, you have less comp competition on the more niche you are, but yeah. you can do it through a folder structure as well, where you are pointing a lot of power to the root domain, like the homepage of your website, as well as specific link building to 
subfolders. And that way you're okay. actually harnessing the full link domain, uh, or sorry, the, the domain equity, and being able to also then niche out through a folder structure. Let, let's go with that for a second. And let's say, again, I'm in San Francisco. We're eventually going to open a location in Oakland, for instance. Um, for a new location, a new zip code, um, how would I go about uh, strategizing that for, for my SEO? Is it is it a subdomain? Is it adding Oakland keywords on my San Francisco pages? Yeah, where do I start? Well, um, your Google exit when you have a real address at a location. Yeah. So ideally, you would have a location for every city that you're trying to. Yeah, park. let's say I have one. Let's say I have a physical ad office there and a physical office here. But I, from, from a website perspective, I want this website now ranking in Oakland as well. Yeah, I would create different um, geo-targeted pages. So you would basically have a different page for each one. I mean, it kind of depends. I mean, you, you could like list multiple um, addresses on one page at like a slash locations page, but we found it actually to work better if you're really trying to target San Francisco versus um, like whatever LA or, or I think you said Oakland. Um, it, if you're trying to, to like separate them, I would have your own separate page. Like for example, WebTech, this is a digital marketing agency, but it's the mm -hmm. same thing. We have an Austin page for Austin office. We have a Salt Lake page for, for our Utah and Salt Lake geotarget phrases. And a lot of times when we have, you know, uh, we, we have a lot of different clients who like add locations and over time yeah. we just build out a GMB listing for them. We build out a localized page for them and we kind of work that experience into the local page and, and on the local page, we'll even, we'll even talk about the city, you know, like we'll make the page mm -hmm. so that it, it kind of has a picture of the city. It has like, I don't know, may, it may talk a little bit about some of the landmarks or just something that really makes it unique to that city not a ton of content around that kind of stuff, but enough to kind of make the two different pages uniquely different because of the, the only difference is an address and a phone number. That's the core of it, but it does help to have a little bit better copy around it too, just to kind of, um, you know, fill in a little bit more copy. Great. Excellent. Google well, likes copy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this game they've been saying forever. hundred percent. Um, let's, uh, maybe we can wrap up our discussion on GMB here with this question. We've got this question kind of twice in two forms. Uh, the question is any, uh, uh, this is Andrew Connor asking any advice for folks that have a hundred percent online practice, which is very common now in this COVID post COVID world and are unable to get a GMB profile. Let's start with that question. Well, uh, the good news is, even though I just said that you have Google likes when you have a physical location, I would also <laughs> use a virtual office address. That's where I would start. Um, I would probably put it like if you're in, let's say, Salt Lake City, Utah or something like that, you don't need to necessarily list your home address if you're working out of your home, but you could go get a virtual office and that would be a good place to start where you can do a workaround for that city location because GMB people yeah. just tend to to trust those areas um for sure if, if you don't if you cannot do a gmb then you want to go with another you know just basically an organic strategy trying to rank your website um and yeah people are looking for a virtual provider i mean having a good website that's got you know a good user experience and a professional image those are the things that you definitely want to focus on but i would say for sure um you know gmb or, or sorry um google adwords does work um i've seen good results on it sometimes the, the industry can be pretty expensive but then you really think about the lifetime value like yeah. earlier you really want to calculate how many months of treatment do you typically see from a good quality yeah. 
customer that comes in or client that comes in. I had a one of my consulting clients in this dilemma recently with not having a physical address. <clears throat> they were able to work around it by uh, basically to verify your listing. They need to Google needs to send you a postcard and that has a little code, and then yep. put in the code and you're off and running. They were able to. Uh, well, and the fear for therapists is I don't want to have my home address and have the clients start showing up at my home, especially the the pissed off clients. Um, and so they were able to still send that postcard um, to their home address, activate the listing, but then to indicate on Google My Business that it is, in fact, a virtual business. Um, I, I'm not exactly sure how they're able to do that. But again, it's a dilemma a lot of therapists are in now. And I think 100% we still need to find a way to have a Google My Business listing. Maybe you are subleasing an office. Maybe you have... Uh, uh, I don't know, a, uh, a registered agent for your LLC where you could send mail. I, I don't know what it is, but I think it, I really think therapists need to find a way to, yeah. to get that listing active. That's always my, our suggestion with any, you know, any client who doesn't have a physical address or one that doesn't want to disclose it. That's what we always say is use a virtual address. Um, but also don't forget that your website itself can be a powerful tool. Um, I would say that generally you may not need to even rank for if you, if you have a fully remote practice, you don't even necessarily have to go after geotargeted phrases. The only reason why you'd really even need to do that is if somebody's looking for somebody local to even work with virtually, um, you know, or if it, it's just like you find a, a specific geotarget that's got a good you know, low competition that you think you can really compete there. But if you're virtual, I mean, generally people, they're not going to be looking for somebody in, you know, Tennessee, if they're looking yeah. for a phrase like, um, you know, like therapy near me or therapy, Texas or something. Right. Right. Great. But you, um, they would be looking for something like best EMDR provider or, you yeah. know, you know, and then they're, which looking is, which is me, by the way, for anyone. <laughs> We have another question here, and then I want to I want to also leave some time, Justin, for you to kind of wrap up with any you know notes that you probably haven't gotten to. I know we've done a lot of questions, but I think it's been fun to to really just get to these. Um, so um, let's see. Uh, Dustin asked, uh, and he submitted this ahead of time. If I had an extra one hundred fifty to three hundred a month to put toward marketing, what would you recommend other than Google Ads to get more discovery calls booked? Hmm. 150 to 300. Um, it's, it's not a lot, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Um, but I would say that probably, you know, you could look at doing some, some like professional listings. I know there's, a, there's a lot of different websites out there that, that you can like pay to have a, a directory listing that where you can, you know, kind of do like a sponsored listing on some of those, um, uh, I'm trying to think exactly what the names of them are right now, but there, there definitely are professional websites out there for people trying to help, you know, like basically directories of practices. Um, I would say also like content is another area that I would make sure that, yeah, you know, that's why I had this sort of like, you know, blog content strategy or something. You, you can, you can find good content writers who will provide for you. You know, I mean, we generally charge 125 bucks per post. So that might be something that I would think if you get another post per month, that way you can you can actually cross post it from your blog to your social media, to your GMB listing, to an email newsletter audience. Like you can actually use that content a lot of ways. Um, even emails can be good because it's like it just reminds them like you are the practice provider because they may. Let's be honest, they're probably talking to two or three practice um, mm -hmm at the same time trying to find out who they want to work with so that would be another area um you might want to also look at like i don't really think social would be an area that i would spend too much too, right. too much time on um 
yeah, that's that probably be where I would start with that kind of budget. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, one piece that you mentioned earlier in the show that I would bring back up is is video. Um, this isn't necessarily something you need a monthly budget for, but if it was three hundred bucks a you know a month that you could put into six nine hundred bucks for a really good videographer to come and get really good video and stills of your space, yeah. um, your office, what it's like to see you, um, some B-roll footage, and then a really you know, nicely done video of you talking about who you are and how you help. Um, I think that could go a really long way. Yeah, that's um, a great discussion. I would totally do yeah. that. If you, don't, if you don't have that, and I love the idea of, of getting really good quality because professionalism is kind of a big part of the decision-making process. Yeah. Um, if you, for some reason, can't, um, you know, pull that off, especially if you're just starting new practice or whatever, iPhones or whatever, you know, new newer quality or newer phones these days yeah. have enough quality where you could at least capture the essence of who you are as a, as yeah. a person, as a patient provider. So I would even start there and maybe, you know, put that on YouTube and, and, and put it on a few places where you think your audience is going to catch it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of just getting started with video content. I agree. Taking your phone, if I had to do it, you know, it's going to be, I'm going to find the, the brightest window I have in my office, hopefully, and I'm going to set my phone there and I'm going to talk right to the camera um, the way I would with a client or you would envision talking to a client about their pain points or, um, you know, conveying that you get it. So I think you can do a lot there that's going to help you stand out for most therapists as it is. Um, so I think that's a great, great place to start. Um, another thing too yeah. that helps because I've done a lot of these too and I, I don't like being on camera that much generally. <laughs> talk to my clients all well, day. This has been good exposure for you today, good exposure <laughs> therapy for you. I like when it's in my face, sometimes it like makes me feel uncomfortable talking naturally. Yeah. So I would say um, maybe come prepared with some questions. That really helps. Like have the, the person ask you like, what's your typical intake process look like? Or what are the kind of, you know, whatever the questions are that, that kind great. of dog your, your dialogue. I'm going to throw one more question at you. We've still got a bunch, but we've only got about seven minutes. So um, one kind of technical question here. And then Justin, I want to make sure you got time to uh, throw out anything else you want to and also letting people know how to get in touch with you guys um julia's saying uh it looks like you need to be using google ads to use google google keyword plan or is there another tool for seo yeah you can i mean i think there's a workaround with that we can maybe have yeah a i think so too if you want to like i don't know get in touch with me somehow we can talk about um some other like ways around that but i would say there's a couple other really good ones out there um, Ahrefs is one that we use commonly. Um, SEM Rush is another one that a lot of people mm -hmm. use. Um, there's something called SpyFu. Um, you could even just Google, um, you know, like keyword research tool and see what kind of free tools might come back to you. I really mm -hmm. am a fan of using using Google as as kind of the the starting place. Um, but there's another one too. Uh, oh man, what's it called? Um, it's uh, I'll have to think of it. There's another tool, yeah. but yeah, Julia, if you can maybe reach out to me afterwards, we can I can connect you with us. There you yeah, Uber suggest. Um, there you go. That's the one. Yeah, I was trying to. They uh, keywords everywhere is another one I have. Just yeah, Uber suggest browser plugin. Really kind of easy for for people who are mm -hmm. not like. And, and I think you can you can set up a Google Ads account even if you don't put money into it and fund a campaign. I think it's. Yeah. yeah, if you need to set up an account to use um, Keyword Planner, I definitely do it because it's still a free tool. Yeah. Yeah, and one more thing also um, th that if you talk to us or another um, partner agency, Google partner agency, typically when you set up your first account, we can get you like one or two hundred dollars in free ad spend. So yeah. that's another thing that that we can hook you up with. Yeah. 
That's great. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, yeah, we had a couple other points here about the GMB listing or getting that postcard. Um, Andrew had said, yeah, I've tried the postcard sent to my home address three or four times without success. Um, so that's making me look pretty bad, but that's okay. Um, Jazzy says you can use the, uh, the mailbox address like a PO box physical address of post office indicating box number or a ups store address so we got all sorts of ideas floating around here now yeah i would i would probably not use ups store address myself personally because i think it's confusing when people mm -hmm. are looking for your business and they somehow show up at a ups store it might be confusing um, but if you get a virtual address then there's no other uh, business at that spot what is a virtual address i should, we should... So, oh yeah that's like uh Pretty much you pay some some big office building downtown to have a like a mailbox in their in their thing it's like a street mm. address okay yeah it would be like for us it's like 222 main which is a big office building and we just have like suite number 2102 or something and it's literally just a mailbox. Cool. that's a great workaround it's something i hadn't hadn't heard of so yeah thank you for for offering that um yeah. And we've covered a lot of ground and uh, we've certainly put you to work here, Justin. So thank you for your <laughs> your endurance here. An hour of questions basically from from therapists who really appreciate your help, uh, myself included. Yeah, um, a few more minutes here. Just anything else you want to throw throw at us? Maybe something you hope that therapists remember from today along their, their marketing journey. And then um, from there, of course, how can people reach out to you and, and get in touch with you and your team? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I would say I've got um, some resources for you guys. I think there's too much to cover in the amount of time that we have left, but I would just kind of direct you to webtech.co. And then, I mean, there is a, a URL that I could send you to probably just for the purpose of this. Go to webtech.co, you click on industries and then healthcare. Um, so it's webtech.co slash healthcare, I think is what it is. But um, on there, I have two different presentations. One's called The Patient's Journey, and it really walks you through, like I mentioned, the condition or where they start the condition research and kind of what how to, to go through that process. Um, then once they get into the treatment options, like like how to really address the people who are at that phase of the buying cycle. Um, treatment facilities, that's something we kind of covered um, here, you know, about you know, showing the treatment and, and just helping them decide which facility to, to use and then actually booking the appointment. Um, after that, I've also got another presentation on there that talks about like why your website is not converting. And it really addresses all of the different um, components that your website needs to have as a medical practitioner to get more patients specifically. So there's a couple of great resources there. Um, you know, you can reach out to, to us um, through, like I said, webtech.co. Um, I there's other ways of reaching me, but probably for this, that's the easiest place to start. Yeah. Definitely, you can look me up on LinkedIn, uh, Justin Cromer. I think that that's on the show here. That's that's an easy way to reach me also. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's probably what I've got. That's great. Um, Justin, this has been super helpful. I mean, you, you've really given us a great level of depth with this stuff, which is which is so helpful. Um, thank you so much again for being here. Um, and we'd love to have you back sometime, yeah, uh, especially with all these yeah, questions. We could, yeah. uh, we could go deep on any one of these topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I think next time that might be the thing to do. Um, yeah. um, if there's any other questions yeah. that did not get answered, I mean, I don't know, John, if you want to maybe email them to me or anything like that. I'm happy to spend sure. a little time um, getting people's questions answered. Who, who, who sure. Today. Yeah, we, we can definitely do that. We can, again, also just have you back. I think that's a, a natural way to, to keep the conversation going. Happy to do that. 
Excellent. Um, as always, folks, so we're we're on our weekly regimen here where the show is live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, and whatever that is in between for you. Um, I've never known the, the time zone for Texas, for instance, and apparently I never will at this point. Um, but we'll be back next week with another, uh, another guest and um, really looking forward to it. So um, again, Justin, thanks for being here. It was, it was great to, to connect with you. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see you again real soon. Great. Thanks, John. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers.